Hey, this is Matthew Lilly. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. What does it look like for you to get a unique blueprint from God to pursue what he's called you to do, even if it looks different than what other people are doing? Well, Cheryl Allen's our special guest on our podcast in today. And in the interview, she shares about her journey in leading and launching the Pasadena International House of Prayer, which has grown now to uh, nearly 100 hours of worship and prayer every week. They have 500 people every month that come into their ministry to either receive healing prayer for physical healing or inner healing or prophetic ministry, prophetic words. They are serving the greater Los Angeles region in a powerful way, but God gave them a really unique approach. And Cheryl is a single female leader, and it was really challenging for her being a female pioneering And so there's all those unique dynamics taking place. Maybe you're a pioneer. Maybe you have a dream or desire in your heart that you want to see manifested. And I think this conversation with Cheryl is going to encourage you and help you to pursue what God's put in your heart and to do what God's called you to do. Before we dive into the interview today, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. The Presence Pioneers podcast exists to help you and your community to experience and to host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer. We believe God's presence changes everything. So please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're tuning in. Today, we would love to track with you. We release episodes every Thursday, whether they're short little Bible teachings or extended interviews like my conversation with Cheryl today. And they're gonna help you experience and to host the presence of God. Also, you can visit our website, presencepioneers.org. You can find all of our previous episodes up there, show notes. You can search by topic or keyword. You can learn more about our ministry and even make a donation to just say thank you for the podcast and support what we're doing to serve the global prayer movement. So once again, thank you for tuning in today. And without further ado, here's my interview with Cheryl Allen. Cheryl Allen, welcome to the podcast today. Hi, so good to be with you. It's great to have you. Well, to start today, maybe you could just introduce yourself, share us a little bit about your story. Um, I know you're the director of Pasadena International House of Prayer in Pasadena, California, but I don't really even know you that well. We've met a couple times, I think, but uh, I'm curious to even know some of your story, how you got to where you are now. So maybe just introduce yourself and uh yeah, just launch into your story and we'll see where things go today. Thanks. Um, yeah, it was almost 20 years ago. Actually, next month it will be 20 years, March 11th. And I had gone to the call in 2000 and the week later, uh, Lou Engel asked me to be a spiritual daughter and he's like, pray about it. And I was like, okay, I prayed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So that was easy. Yeah, real easy. So after the call, we had like a family reunion in Kansas. And my mom happened to look up and see that Mike Pickle was having a conference while we were in town. And we had never been. 
And it ends up, it was the year anniversary of IHOP. Wow. Now, I don't know that Mike Bickle's into House of Prayer. I know he's into Bridegroom. I know he's in Song of Solomon, First Love and First Place, but don't know House of Prayer. I know Lou Ingalls' House of Prayer. And so I go, and it's the year anniversary, and I'm like, what is this? And the thing that impacted me so much was I probably at that point have been in a thousand prayer meetings at least. And I was always impacted by people who wow. prayed the word from their heart. It just kind of flowed from their heart. And, but usually those were all old people. And when I went to Kansas city and saw this, I was like, they're 18 and it's flowing out of their heart. How did that happen? Cause I had never seen that before. And so I was really intrigued. Now back to Lou Engle, Within a month, he had asked me to move to Pasadena. I was living in LA. And then he's like, hey, we want to do what Mike's doing. You know, we used to have a house of prayer. It was going more like 24-7, but we want to do Tabernacle of David. And so he's like, I want to hire you to do midnight to two. And then another guy's going to do two to six. What do you think? <laughs> and I was an elementary school teacher at the time in LA. And I said, yes. Gotcha. I was like, okay. So on March 11th in 2001, I started doing midnight to two every night. And we didn't have lots of singers or anything. We just played CDs. I know that seems like a weird concept now, but we played CDs <laughs> and just priested before the Lord. But I want to share like the first night I did it, I was given a dream. And in the dream, I was in a courtroom. And people had used my name for counterfeit purposes. I didn't know what that meant, but there was a bunch of them. And they were tied up, gagged, and blindfolded onto walls. Okay, so in the courtroom, they're on the walls. And they were raging mad. And I was like looking at them thinking, I don't think I'm going to have to speak. I don't even think my lawyer's going to have to speak. And then two women in white come and minister to me in the courtroom. And then this man named Mr. Blue comes up to me and says, the Lord says unto you, you are my Esther. And then I'm slain in the spirit. Mm. So I wake up from that dream and I'm blown away because it's my first night in the house of prayer. And, you know, it's kind of an epic night to have a dream. It usually doesn't happen, yeah. but it happened. So I say to the Lord, I go, God, I know for such a time as this, I know if I die, I die but what are you asking of me by calling me Esther? Like, what do you want from me? And he said, every night you come into the house of prayer, you don't have to present a case. You don't have to talk to your enemies. Every night you come, just give me a banquet. Do what Esther did. Give me a banquet every wow. night and I'll give you up to half of the kingdom. Like, I'll give you everything you want. Just every night, give me a banquet. So that became the rhythm mm. of what, I just started doing. I just started priesting before the Lord and giving a banquet, like through worship, a lot of repeat worship. Like when he landed on a song, we did, we just kept on it. And that became yeah. part of the rhythm of what we would be involved in. Now I, I'm going to make it, it's a long story, but I'm going to, now I never said <laughs> sure. I was going to start a house of prayer. <laughs> never. In fact, I thought Lou was okay. <laughs> the house of prayer. So Lou was really into the call at that point. Um, 2001 was the call, yeah. call Boston. 2002, call New York, call LA, call San Francisco. So there were seven of them planned. And then after 
The seventh, he was going to come back and do house of prayer. So we were just kind of stewarding what was going to be his. The Lord had different plans, which were very sad for me because I was like, <laughs> Lou Engel, you know, is going to lead this. And so we were just stewarding what we felt was yeah. his vision. And then in 2004, he would end up leaving and going to DC. And that's when J Hop would be planted. And then we were kind of like, what do we do? And the Holy Spirit said, you know, be sent out and become a citywide house of prayer. So hmm. that's when we would be launched in 2005. And then we would find a building in 2006 and we met in a tiny office for a year and then eventually landed where we are currently in 2006. Now I can't tell the story without telling something that happened in the middle of this. Yeah. And so in the middle of this, I was given five dreams and five nights and the Lord said, I'm going to give you five dreams and five nights. And these will be the blueprints of this house of prayer. And it happened. <laughs> I mean, that's mm. never happened before. I was in a very intense season of fasting for about two years. And that happened in the middle of that. Yeah. And it was phenomenal. And to this day, we're still living that's out amazing. of that. So, yeah. Can, can you share any of those with us or any, any of the blueprint? They're so fun. Yeah. So first one, yeah. and this is a phenomenal. Like, I'm so grateful to the Lord for this. Um, in the dream, Mike Bickle was tutoring me. And he was tutoring me in Song of Solomon. And he was, it was just him and I. So he was making sure I wrote down every word he said. And so I didn't write down a phrase. And he said, why didn't you write that down? And I said, I don't want to write devotion dies. <laughs> it's so Mike Bickle too, like notes. And anyway, and then he's like, why didn't you write that down? And I go, I don't want to write devotion dies and longing. He said, I didn't say dies. I said pies. And so it was devotion, pies, and longing. Now, there's no pie hop at this time. We're just wow. rock house of prayer. And so I write P-Y-E-S. And I write it confidently. I have never seen that word before, but I write it down confidently. And... Then at the end of the dream, I write down a, a word, Simone, a, a person's name, Simone Weil. And then Anne House comes up to Mike, gives him a kiss on the cheek. And then that's the end of, this, of the dream. So I'm fascinated. Pies, like that's so specific. And I have hmm. no idea what it means. And there's no Google. It's 2002. So you can't look it up on Google. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. so I, I have a dictionary. Um, under my bed. So I look it up and it's literally in my dictionary. And let me tell you, that word is not in every dictionary. I have a friend who's like tried to find it in other dictionaries. <laughs> anyway, it's in my dictionary. And it says a set of rules in the pre-Reformation church to determine the correct order of worship. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. That was unbelievable. That's awesome. And so it was Song of Solomon, right? And Wow, Song of Solomon, mm. um, meaning intimacy, like go after intimacy. Yeah. Don't go after just trying to transform your city or revival. You've got to go after me. Yeah. And then what's so fun about this is I wait until I have all five dreams. And remember, Lou is the leader. So then I'm going to give them all to Lou on the same day. Yeah. 
So I'm giving him the dreams and I'm, it's part of this first dream. I'm giving him the dream, the first dream. And I look over in his bookshelf. He has a massive bookshelf, right? Like thousands of books. Yeah. And I see Simone Weil. So I pull it out and he goes, I just bought that book today. (laughs) (laughs) This is a classic Lou, right? And I go, no, you didn't. And he goes, yeah. And I thought, I'll never read this book. So I put it in my shelf. And then I was like, it was in my dream. (laughs) And it was called The Need for Roots. Mm. And so it's about the root system of a house of prayer has to be intimacy. Like this is what causes it to last. Yeah. And it's awesome that it's a root system because it's done in hiddenness. It's done in secret. It's like not all the people are there yet and you're still going for it. And intimacy is what will keep you going. And it literally was such a lifesaver for us to have had that dream. Mm. Yeah, so fun. And Anna House means Anna in the house. That's amazing. So like she is in the second dream too. And she she definitely represents like the spirit of Anna and fostering that spirit in our midst. Second dream I'm going to give really quick. Yes. Uh, I'll give it quick. Um, Sure. In the dream, it's about transition and leaving Harvest Rock Church. And when I go out, I'm met by Ann House and Matt Candler. And when I see them, Matt goes, when I'm in a dream, I'm Samuel. (laughs) So he tells me who he is. He goes, I'm Samuel. And so then um, they hand me a bunch of stuff like honey, milk, bread, um, and then this CD. And it's produced by IHOP and Vineyard. And I'm excited because I'm like, whoa, they're together again. And, And then it's called The Secret of the Vine. And it has jagged edges, but it still plays. And then they lead me to a house and the house is full of young people. And I know that that's our house. And that's the end of the dream. Mm. What's awesome about that dream is they both were people who priested before the Lord. Mm. They were prophets, but their main thing was to minister to the Lord. Um, And they were both part of transitional generations. Samuel was part of a transitional generation from judges to kings. And then uh, Anna was part of right. the transition to the Messiah. And this idea of having major impact. I mean, Samuel's words did not fall to the ground and all of Israel heard them. And Anna, the same thing. She prophesied yeah. it was known. But their main occupation was ministry to the Lord. Yes. So um, just that that would be this, this house of prayer. Yeah. So cool. That's awesome. And men and women, old and young. Right. Not involved in that. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So you started the house of prayer, but you, you didn't mean to be leading it. Did you ended up leading it? God gave you the blueprint for it supernaturally. Uh, that's amazing. There in Pasadena, California. I wondered, does the pies thing in the dream, you guys are now pie hop. I mean, Pasadena International House of Prayer. Was that related to it at all? Or is that just coincidence? No, it's such a great story. I wanted us to be called IHOP Pasadena. Like back in those days, like Mike had basically said, if you believe in, you know, intercession, holiness, offerings to the poor, you know, prophetic or whatever, I think P is prophetic intercession. Like 
what, maybe I is intimacy, whatever that was. He's like, if you believe in this, call yourself IHOP. Yeah. We don't own the name. So I really wanted to be IHOP. And then I wanted Pasadena at the end because that's what everybody was doing at that time. Yeah. And the other two people that were involved said, no, let's put it in the front. I go, that sounds so confusing. Like, we don't know who we are. Pasadena International. <laughs> like, who are we? And they're like, that's what we want. We want to be different. Mm. And it ended up, so then the first person we told said, oh, that's Pi Hop. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, that is Pi Hop. There you go. <laughs> so even though I was given the dream, I was resisting that name. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> It's not funny. That is funny. And then it ends up that um, we would be sued when IHOP was sued because um, International House of Pancakes is in California, the headquarters is. Mm-hmm. So all the California IHOPs were put in that lawsuit. And we were out first because the P was in the front. Ah, nice. <laughs> so there that you was go. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. I'll share one more thing about just. There's more fun things in the five dreams. One would be about lingering worship and Joanne McFadder was in the dream prophetic singer. And she meant Jesus, father, master of ceremonies that they don't want to schedule to dictate. Like the Holy Spirit was saying, I don't want you to be dictated by a schedule. I want you to be involved in lingering worship. And then Daniel's eyes would be in the fourth dream and Asaph would be in the fifth which was Tabernacle of David. Yeah, I want to share something though real quick, just because of who this audience yeah. may be. In 2003, the Lord clearly spoke to us about an order. And I was reading Psalm 147 and it says, he gathers his outcasts. He builds up Jerusalem. He gathers his outcasts there. And it reminded me of Isaiah 56, 7 about, coming to the mountain and the outcasts being made joyful there. And so I just wrote Isaiah 56, seven. And then I noticed, oh, wow, five, six, seven. And then the Lord just spoke. There's an order, Cheryl. And he goes, I know how to draw people in your region to a house of prayer. And he goes, it's very different than Kansas City. It's very different than in Australia. It's different everywhere. He's like, kangaroos don't live in rainforest. And you have to base it on geography too. So this is the order for your geography. And so um, it said like, he heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Then it said, uh, he counts the stars. He knows them by name. And then it talks about who he is. And then about the lifestyle of humility. And then about singing. Well, I signed up for the house of prayer to sing. So I was discouraged by the order. I actually cried Mm. um, because I was like, no, this is not the order. Like, I want to do it the way IHOP is doing it in Kansas City. They're just training singers. Like, why are we going to pray for sick people and try to heal their broken hearts? Like, that seems wrong. And he's like, I promise if, if you do this order, I'll build the house. Wow. But you have to follow this order. So we immediately started in 2003 taking appointments for broken hearts and physically sick people. And then counting the stars and knowing them by name, we started a prophetic night once a month. And those ended up being how people got drawn here. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow, that's really and cool. And I wanted to say one more thing. Sure. 
sometimes houses of prayers don't have a lot of inflow and this created constant inflow. Like to this day, hundreds of people receive every month um, from all of our inner healing and from all of our physical healing and prophetic, probably about 500 receive a month. And so that constantly keeps inflow coming. So anyway, okay. That's That's awesome. (laughs) No, that's so cool. (laughs) That's amazing. I love, I love that. That's it's such a unique uh, blueprint and a unique DNA that God's given you guys just to kind of uh, give a clarity of where you guys are now uh, about how many hours a week are you guys doing prayer and worship? You've kind of mentioned some of the other ministries that are going on, the prophetic, the healing, all those kinds of things are happening also. But you've also got your prayer room. Maybe just give us a snapshot of the prayer room yeah. and kind of what that's looking like for you guys at the moment. Currently, we do 8 a.m. to midnight, five days a week. Wow. And then on Saturday, we do um, noon to 10. It's amazing. Yeah. That's so good. So I don't know how many hours that is. It's almost a hundred probably. Yeah, that's, that's so good. So, so, you know, obviously you, you've been at this for a while now to get to that point where you guys are having, you know, a hundred hours a week of worship and prayer. You're having 500 people a month come through to receive healing and prophetic ministry and those kinds of things. So one thing you said in, in your journey that stuck out to me that I'd love to jump back to real quick, because we are the Presence Pioneers podcast. So something that is important to me is the journey, the pioneering journey, those early years when nobody's looking and nobody gets it and those kinds of things. You said before you even started with Lou Engel, you said something about how you had already been to a thousand prayer meetings. <laughs> and so I was curious about the thousand prayer meetings. Tell, tell me about the thousand prayer meetings. Oh. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great question. No one's ever asked me about that. I love that question. Yeah, I I wanted to be in politics straight out of college and decided to give my summer to the Lord and went and lived in Watts, California, which is an inner city. And the director there happened to be Nigerian and happened to be into revival. And so this is the first time I had just graduated from Biola University. No one had ever used the word revival. <laughs> and I was blown away. I was like, intercession? Mm. What is that? You know, I had never even heard of intercession. Mm. And so he did an eight. He's like, we're going to pray for eight hours on Wednesday. I was like, eight hours. And so he then trained us how to pray long wow. and how to use the scripture, how to pray, like how to worship and then go into prayer And it was amazing and gave me a heart for revival that I could see a city shifted, not just through like public policy, but I could actually see a city by praying and fasting. And yeah, in those eight hour days, we would fast. That was the first time I'd ever fasted. And so then that set me up for when I would meet Lou, which is like a year later in 1996. And then I was like, um, he was into redigging the wells. <laughs> so like, yeah, yeah. I've got that book up on the shelf here somewhere. Yeah. He had just started the 24 seven prayer Moravian lampstand. And so I just started going to all those prayer meetings. Like I just started going 
Like, I mean, I was like, this awesome. is, I want to do this. Yeah. And so, um, went to all the redigging the wells, went to tons of behind the curtain and Mott auditorium prayer meetings and just started getting discipled in prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where even it got set in my heart. God, I don't, I don't want to just speak things that impress people. I want to speak to you from my heart and I want the word to flow from it. And so um, that set me up then for the apostolic prayers that I would eventually learn through IHOP. And yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. I wasn't necessarily calling those prayer meetings. So I would, that would happen in 2001 when I would start the rough and ugly meetings. Yeah. (laughs) They were really rough and ugly. I just, I, I did have some amazing worship leaders that played at midnight, but then when we started day, like actually meetings you could attend, yeah, they were really bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was painful. And then I was like, God, you put me in a corner and only weird people will want to come to this. And I don't have any way out unless you breathe on this. Mm. Like, cause literally I felt like we were a weirdo magnet and I wouldn't even want to attend our <laughs> anyway. It was bad. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yep, that's so funny. But God, God is good. Yeah. yeah. No, I, that that's hilarious. The, the weirdo magnet thing is, is just really funny. Um, yeah, I mean, in a weird way, those kinds of stories are encouraging, especially anybody that's tried to start something or tried to pioneer something or trying to host prayer meetings or or that kind of thing, and you you feel the awkwardness of it uh, sometimes in those in those early days. And and I, I just wanted to highlight the thousand prayer meetings because it stuck out to me that you said that because a lot of people they might look at what what's happening right now at Pi Hop and say that's amazing would want to see that happen in my city. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. number one, it's what, almost 20 years now. Number two, even before you officially started anything, you're, you're already going to prayer meetings. You're learning, you're doing it uh, in, in private, you're doing it, you're attending before you're leading and those kinds of things. And a lot of times, you know, when once leaders get to the prominent place, everybody thinks it's great, but you gotta, you gotta plow in those, in those tough years before you get there, you know? Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast 
and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, a lot of people would even say, Lou Engle hired you. That's a sure. big deal. Like, he's a, you know. Um, but even that, the Holy Spirit allowed us to experience smallness pretty much from 2001 to 2010. Yeah. I mean, it was, I remember meeting Mike Bickle in 2002, and he said to me, if you lead it, it's going to take 10 years. If Lou leads it, it'll take a few <laughs> years. And I was thinking, thank God Lou is going to lead it because I don't want to be in this. For oh, 10 man. Years. Like, I don't, I want to, I thought, I thought seven years max. Like, I was just helping Lou, but maybe I'd be called to the nations and I'd become a missionary or I don't know. I just didn't know I was going to be doing this for as long as I've been doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I want to talk about being a, a woman. Is that okay, being a, a single woman? Yeah, that was on my list of questions to ask. So I'm curious how that's been, yeah, in terms of your your leadership, what it's been like. Because it's sometimes hard to find female leaders of prayer ministry. Well, not necessarily prayer ministries, but particularly houses of prayer. And so, yeah, I'm curious what how that's impacted your journey for sure. Yeah. At first I couldn't embrace it at all. Like I was trying to give it away constantly, probably from 2004 to 2008, I tried to find capable leaders to take it. It took me a long time to embrace it because I didn't really have a vision of leading partly because I was a woman. I didn't have that modeled of pioneering in that way. I mean, you can think of Cindy Jacobs, but even her ministry is more itinerant. And so I was thinking, I don't know how this would even look. And I don't even know if I would want to attend if a woman was leading huh. it. And then being a single woman, I mean, covering questions, all these types of things would come. So I was given a dream um, when I just like in 2005, when we first launched out, it was tough. I mean, hard. And I wanted to move to Kansas City. Yeah. Like I wanted to take our little team and move to Kansas City. And God bombarded me that week with dreams saying I couldn't go. Like that I was not just called to House of Prayer, I was called to a geography and to be faithful to Him didn't matter how big it was. I had to do it in this land. Yeah. Like I couldn't move to Kansas city. I was so disappointed, but one of the dreams that I was given was that I was graduating from college again and I got a passport instead of a diploma at this time. And then I was still trying to hitchhike to Kansas city after my graduation. I was trying to get on a bus. I tried so many options, train, nobody would let me in. Yeah. And so then I go, okay, I'll go out with my dad, me and my, with my parents. And my dad gives me a 1942 baseball in the dream. And I'm tall. So basketball would be more appropriate, but it would, it would be even weird then. But that he gives me a, a baseball. 
and it's signed by Mike Bickle. And I was like, huh, thanks. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it fully yeah. means. So when I wake up from the dream, I Google 1942 baseball. I can't figure it out. Eventually, the Holy Spirit would say, look up 1942 women's baseball. And that was the year the women went into the major leagues wow. because the men went to war. And the Lord said, you don't endorse your leadership, but I do. Mm. And he goes, I'm putting you in the major league. I felt more of the Lord's, you know, like, I'm not just trying to do this. Like the Holy Spirit wants me to do this. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. I would just share one more thing on that about passport. I just, when I was with you guys at the movement last year, I understood passport. I had never understood that dream. <laughs> like why a passport? Really? Yeah. The Lord said, because you did it in Pasadena and it was homegrown, you used the people in Los Angeles. You didn't try to draw people from all over the world. You are able to impact places like anyway there's many places in the world he said you have something to offer them because you know how to draw people in a region mm. and so we've had so much credibility in the middle east we have seen a few houses of prayer planted in central asia in the middle east and now awesome um, yeah and he's like because you did it if you had gone to kansas city you wouldn't have been equipped with it but because you did it in your place, it now has allowed you to have credibility in the world. Wow. So, so cool. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Well, thank you for, thank you for sharing um, on some of the uniqueness of, of that particular struggle. I'm glad that you stuck it out and continued to, <laughs> to, to lead and so thankful for what you're doing there. Maybe, I mean, those are some of the struggles, maybe share some of the testimonies. What are some of the things you guys have seen happen in your area? I mean, if you're praying for 500 people every week, I'd imagine you've got some some pretty cool stories of, of what God's done. Obviously, He's built the ministry. You've got the prayer room. That's a testimony in itself. He sustained you all these years. That's an amazing testimony. But are there some specific stories uh, from the journey of lives or maybe ways the city's been impacted through what you guys are doing that, that would be encouraging? Yeah. Um, well, of the worship, prayer and worship teams that minister here, we probably have now over a hundred churches represented. That's awesome. Phenomenal. And we have intentionally stayed closed on Sundays. So we are not a competitor because we've done that. These people all attend local churches. So they're equipped here. And then they're able to bring that flavor or that um, skill set now to their local congregations, which then has made it so that there's great credibility with pastors because we're not taking anyone and we're just helping build up the church in this region. You know, LA is huge, so it's a big region that we're drawing from, um, but it's been phenomenal to watch. We have a pastor in Claremont, which is probably about 30 minutes away from here. He now requires his worship leader to do a set in the prayer room. We never put that idea in him, so but cool. he's like, that's part of his job description. He needs to serve in the house of prayer. He goes, the fruit of it is wonderful on Sundays. So 
we want that cultivated in their life. We're hoping that that will spread, that there will be many that have that, that mind. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's recently we had a pastor who just announced like, that's our house of prayer. It's down the street. We are not going to make our own house of prayer. That's our house of prayer. Like we're part of the body. And I mean, this is language we I've been dying to hear <laughs> for the last 20 years. Like, yeah, of we course, together, you know, and so um, that's been some of the fruit. As far as healing, we just recently had a person healed of tinnitus. You know, that's the ringing of the ears. Um, that person was suicidal and it stopped. Um, so that was very encouraging. Um that just Amazing. happened. Yeah. yeah. Just happened last week. And then of inner healing, I mean, it's pretty awesome and so awesome that again, pastors, um, pastoral teams will say, go and receive prayer there. You know, we're now an extension of many local churches. I just had like it's a fifteen thousand member church. The senior pastor just recommended that another pastor come and bring his whole team here to start receiving. So that's always really fun. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you guys are, you guys are, man, bringing healing and encouragement to the, sounds like to the body of Christ in the, in the whole region. That's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Well, uh, I, I'm curious with, with all of the, all the prophetic healing, those kinds of ministries, sort of the extra, so to speak, stuff you're doing in addition to prayer. How do you? How are you keeping prayer and worship central? Is there any kind of tug back and forth or pull, or, or are they feeding each other pretty well? I know you said those ministries kind of bring people in to the prayer room. It's been kind of an on ramp for you guys having these prophetic healing, those kinds of ministries. But I'm just curious, has there been any any challenge with keeping the presence of God central rather than those sort of outward facing things sort of pulling at your time and energy and resources? Yeah, I would say for sure there's the pull. Like some of the people who do inner healing here, they never come into the prayer room. I mean, they yeah. come for 30 minutes before they serve. Yeah. But now we're in a pandemic. Sure. So <laughs> everything's online. So like the prayer room's not online, but um yeah, so that there's definitely been a pull. I think we've tried to partner with the Holy Spirit and helping People say that room is the primary reason we exist and ministry to God. And one of the things is ministry to God is our main value. And the ministry with God is our second value. I love that. But I love like upper room in and out, you know, like we go into his presence and, and then we go out and we, and so our out would be, we do go out though too. We have those ministries too yeah. of evangelism. We go to college campuses, courts, and and we go to strip clubs. So wow. I mean, I just think because if you're in his presence, you need to flow out. Yes. And but ministry to God, like I always say, anointing is awesome. People love the anointing ministry. But not everybody loves incense. Hmm. And we're called to incense. 
We're called to minister to God. And that's not as exciting for some people. The anointing is awesome, but (laughs) incense is not always as exciting. And I think um, consistently, we do a Friday night preaching. I think consistently putting the message out there so that people are called to it is helpful as well as just consistently giving language for people to grab hold of. Yeah. Whether through videos, testimony, things like that. Um, but there definitely is a pull. I just trust the Lord that he will keep the house filled if we consistently do everything he's asked. Right. That order. Yeah. Yeah. That order for a unique qualification though, for our staff is that they all have to prophesy or heal. (laughs) So like they all serve in that way. Like there's none of them who are just a worship leader. Like they all serve either through prophesying or, or healing. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, um, we're getting close to probably the end of our time here. I'm curious, you've been around now the movement of houses of prayer for for quite a quite a long time i'm curious your perspective what do you see the lord doing right now what do you see the lord doing in the future for groups that are passionate about prayer the presence of god worship that are trying to to gather around his presence and minister to him what do you see god doing in that prayer movement right now do you have uh and, and i'm just curious on your perspective on on sort of what god's maybe saying what he's doing how you see things uh, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I definitely think God has allowed the movement to be tested, especially house of prayer movement, like just narrowing prayer movement to house of prayer movement. Yeah. I believe a lot of ministries are being tested at this point, but I think the house of prayer started being tested maybe 2013. There definitely was the uh, reduction. It's not so popular. Uh, and that's been a really great season in causing our hearts to be rooted and established in ways that it maybe wasn't. But for this season, I just sense like, wow, there's a lot of favor going to come back on this prayer, on the prayer movement, <laughs> specifically house of prayer. I sense so much favor coming upon the movement. I don't know if it's here yet, but it's coming. And I really sense something he told us in 2015. He he said, I'm going to make you small. Oh, I feel it so strong. So that you can give me your all. And he said, um, he said he was going to reduce us a little. Like, And so we used to do 20 hours. Um, Now we do 16. And we've definitely seen a reduction in staff. We went from 40 to now there's... I think 14. Um, And if you look at the numbers of IHOP Kansas City, you're going to see similar numbers, like very different numbers, but similar reduction. And he said, but he's preparing us for glory. Yeah. He's preparing us for glory. Mm. I believe the glory of the Lord is coming to this movement. And part of preparing a people for glory is allowing the humbling process And then full reliance on him and knowing there's nothing you can do to hype it up, amp it up, 
events aren't going to do it. Nothing can do it apart from his presence and his glory. And I believe when his glory comes that we would be, we would be ready to give him all the glory that we wouldn't have thought we defrauded. <laughs> we, you know, I think whatever the prayer movement has experienced in the last seven years, we know we can't bring it. Yeah. <laughs> like we wow. cannot make this happen. And so I think for those who are just jumping in, you're jumping in at a beautiful time. Yeah. Um, I believe there's a readiness in the heart of God to help blow on houses of prayer. I mean, I believe I feels again like 2008, 2009, where you're just seeing lots of houses of prayer crop up. Hmm. Um, it had definitely been winnowed, but now it's now spreading again. So I think it's going to be a very fruitful season. Yeah, that's so good. Well, why don't you uh, kind of on that note, why don't, would you just close out and praying for us? This has been so good, Cheryl. So enjoyed hearing your story and your journey. It's awesome. Would you just pray for us into that end? Maybe that we could just walk humbly and, you know, so that the Lord receives the glory through all that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Father, I just thank you for pioneers, Lord. I thank you for those that God are like Noah, who it hasn't rained before, but you're asking them to build an ark. I just pray that, Lord, these ones who've given themselves to priesting before you, of giving themselves to day and night worship, you said on earth as it is in heaven. The main occupation of heaven is day and night worship and prayer. And I pray that God, in the regions of each one who's listening, would you cause heaven to come? Would you, uh, yeah, just breathe upon day and night worship? And I pray that just any of the things that were was given in this time that would cause people to run with faith, God, I ask that they would run the race that has been marked out for them and they would experience faith to do it according to your design, God, how you are calling forth day and night worship in their region. God, we thank you that it's all planned out. Isaiah 42 will be a reality in the wildernesses, in the coastlands. God, throughout the earth, there will be a cry, a new song will be arising. And I pray that many of us, God, would be singing this new song when you return. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Cheryl, thank you so much for being on with us. It's been so good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. For sure. Well, thank you for tuning in today. Look, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, share it on social media, send it out to your local community so that it can encourage and help them as well. If you're on YouTube, give us that little thumbs up, leave us a comment. If you're on Apple, a rating or a review would be really helpful to get this podcast out in front of more people and give us more credibility so people know that this will help them as well. Thank you again for tuning in. Please hit subscribe if you haven't yet. And don't forget, God's presence changes everything.